Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is episode number 188. Uh, my name is Carlos Alvarez and I'll be your host for the show. On today's episode, I have an amazing guest, Will Perry. Will, who I've not had an opportunity to meet uh, up until today. We just had this brief, a pretty amazing conversation uh, prior to hitting record, which I'm going to share uh, in this episode. But a little background on Will. Will's an elite media buyer. Uh, we're we're going to get into like what that even means in the show. He's an elite media buyer. You're the CEO and CMO of the Orlando-based Reason Agency, um, which is an agency that specializes in helping seven and eight-figure brands reduce their CPA. Um, you're also the founder of Elite Media Buyers Academy, and this is an online school which provides a done-for-you mentorship program. That's a lot. You're obviously a specialist. Welcome to the show, Will. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. Great to be here with you. Um, well, again, like I mentioned a second ago, we, we've not had an opportunity to meet. The, the fact that you're primarily based out of Orlando, but doing something like a digital nomad thing right now, it feels like I'm totally jealous. Yeah. The fact that the fact that your your offices are out of Orlando, I, and from our talk, I see that we're gonna we're gonna collaborate on a lot of cool things, hopefully in the near future. Absolutely. I love doing things with uh, other digital marketers who like to nerd out on this stuff like me. Heck yeah, man. So today though, out of all those different things you know how to do, uh, today we're going to focus on how to test your TikTok and Facebook ad creative like an, immediate, like an elite media buyer. Um, I'm going to say the goal today is going to make, my goal is that anyone listening to this is going to not be as intimidated um, approaching media buying, approaching, you know, media buying off of Amazon to grow their brand, that this becomes very approachable. It becomes a very known and that you become a, a resource, if you will, for people that have continued questions or want to, want to hire you, uh, to make this happen or, or enroll in your, in your, in your classes. Is that fair? Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like a win-win. <laughs> Heck yeah. The, you mentioned, um, <clears throat> I mentioned already that you're based out of Orlando, but can you, since you've not been on the show and, and we've not had an opportunity to cross paths at any of these conferences, can you share um, with listeners now what, um, when did this whole love affair with digital marketing and e-commerce and media buying start? Like, and what were you doing right before that? Yeah. So um, I'm a trained journalist actually from going back to college. Um, so I thought I, there's a good hook for you. Like, I thought I was going to be an ESPN broadcaster and um, that's what I really wanted to do. I, I grew up like with a huge love of sports. Um, I'm from the Philadelphia area, but in New Jersey. So Flyers, Eagles, Phillies, like diehard into my blood, to my core. And so, you know, when, when you grow up up there, like sports is like a huge part of life. And so I thought I wanted to be an ESPN broadcaster I told my high school guidance counselor at the time that I wanted to be do that. And she's like, why the hell would you want to do that? And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do it anyway, because I don't follow anyone's rules. Uh, I'm a little bit of a, a, a rule breaker, a non-rule abider, I guess. So then I, you know, I go to college at UCF, you know, I go down the journalism route, uh, saw some of my, you know, peers getting jobs and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to work for 21 grand. I was like, no way. And, um, you know, that's when you really know that the, the entrepreneur marketer in you is like, I could probably 10 X that, uh, you know, at that, that age. Right. And so, you know, I, um, 
I had this internship in college where I was basically traveling the East Coast of the US, um, conducting these junior golf tournaments, kind of like elite junior golf tournaments, but I was doing the communications and like all the content writing and things like that. And I landed, or I just so happened to meet someone at the event that was looking for a, a marketing person. And I, through all, all time, like, I was like, I'm going to use this journalism degree for marketing. Like nobody else knows this yet. Like my teachers, my professors and whatnot, but I was like, I'm going to use this for marketing. I know I can use this for marketing. And, um, so skipping ahead a little bit, um, landed a marketing manager job at like 21, um, right out of college. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. Like, I don't even know what a marketing manager does. And um, so like, you know, anybody would do like I Googled it. Right. And uh, so like I had these raw skills of copywriting and had been published like hundreds of times, you know, like wrote for the Orlando Sentinel, wrote for Golf Week magazine, like uh, was the sports editor of my, you know, um, college newspaper and, and the website and all the things. And like, so I had these raw skills. And so I wish I had started the story like this, but my marketing career started with someone handing me a camera that I had no idea how to use. They put me at the back of a driving range and they gave me a pat on the butt and said, good luck, kid. And fast forward to 15 years later, I've generated millions of dollars uh, in sales online, spent millions of dollars um, in ads, uh, tens of millions on both ends. I've sold eight figures over the phone in high ticket sales. Uh, and like, it all started with that journey of like, here's the camera, good luck. And what happened in between was like, I just became obsessed with, and this was back in the day when like, you would print stuff out. <laughs> and like, I would print out all these articles on like how to run PPC ads and like how to SEO a website. And like, I made this binder, like I, I made this binder like this big. I don't know if they'll, you got, think of like a, like a, a, a massive cookbook. And so I like, I just started printing stuff out and I taught myself literally everything. Um, and here we are today. Hopefully that was a good synopsis. That's gotta be one of the best intros on the show so far. You don't, you don't know what to expect when you haven't heard somebody's background story before, yeah. but that's definitely, that's definitely not what I thought. So golf, hold on, uh, several golf, questions yep. unrelated. Golf was going to be the sport. Uh, yeah. You wanted to be an ESPN analyst for golf. Was there a golfing background of yours? Did you golf? Were you a so golfer? I played high school golf. Um, I've competed a little bit like at an amateur level, single digit handicap. Um, and, uh, but never like, you know, I didn't play like college golf or anything like that, but that, that first internship was a golf internship. And then my first career job was like six years in the golf industry in digital marketing, and then eventually director of sales and all that good stuff. What was the goal with the camera? Like, what, what did mean, they, what you obviously yeah, did good, photos, but like what take happened? Photos of students training and do something with it, I guess. I mean, like that was pretty much it. So I, at a young age, I learned how to sell a hundred thousand dollar offer over the phone um, at like 25 years old. Now, I still believe to this day that it was the greatest skill that I could have learned, not only just sales, but like high ticket and very high ticket sales, um, let alone with someone's most prized possession, which was their child. So I was literally taking sales calls with people in Taiwan, China, uh, Switzerland and whatnot. And, for, you know, sales isn't convincing, but 
but I was trying to convince parents to send me their children from halfway around the world. And they had to give me a hundred grand at the end of the day for it. That's crazy. And what was your conversion on something like that? I was uh, high. Like, it <laughs> Very was high. high. Uh, I mean, I, I went through some pretty significant sales training. Um, uh, I'm a big uh, advocate of Sandler sales training. So I, I had gone through that early on in my career. And um, all the while I was, I was literally taking sales calls like straight up. I was doing all of our marketing or email or SEO or social media or Google ads, buying media from Golf Channel. Um, plus I had a sales team of three that I was overseeing. So I was like literally doing all of that at like 26, 27. And then I was like, uh, there's more for me out here. And then, you know, they actually demoted me, even though like I doubled sales to director of marketing because they wanted to, me to focus on that. And I still carry that chip on my shoulder. I love that part of the story. Um, what what, what year like, are we talking about? What year? Uh, yeah, what like year? 2014, 20, 2014, 2015. Yeah. That is, yeah. is incredible. incredible. Yeah. I'm hearing a little incredible. feedback, like an echo on your side. You hear that? It's probably a dog that's barking in the valley between the mountains, ah. like way outside. The sounds carry so far here. So I apologize for that. Ah, no worries. Um, I, that's, that's a lot of different stuff to start with. So you're <laughs> running Google ads, Facebook ads. Um, what other ads are you running for them at the time? Uh, I mean, we were like, we were, um, we were running TV. So like I was buying, you know, I was buying TV, like, I, I, you know, art directed all the creative, like I sourced, you know, the video production and all that. Like I basically at that time think like dubstep rap videos. And then I merged it with junior golf. Like it's still one of this to this day, one of the coolest projects I ever worked on. Like we sort of brought like this cool, like new edgy vibe to golf, which is like the most stuffy, you know, like, uh, exclusive maybe uh, you know, thing, at least in years past. Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. So once you finish with the golf industry, yeah, where, where, where do you, what's your next step? Like, do you, do you immediately open up reason agency? Yeah. I started um, freelancing basically signed up that previous employer as my first client, uh, of course. And then, um, you know, then I like, you know, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I know I can do marketing. I know how to sell. I don't know what I'm going to sell, but like, I'll figure it out. And, uh, I was pretty quickly able to get myself up to like 10 K a month, you know, between a variety of clients, like probably four clients or something, if I remember. And then I was like, Oh, I need to hire someone. Like I can't do all of this. Uh, I sort of based everything off this idea that like, well, I want to make a hundred grand. And I could probably work 50 or 60 hours. And so then I started selling time and that was like a terrible idea, but like it worked early, early on. And then, you know, so then like after year one, then it, then it sort of started growing into an agency, you know, and that's six years later, uh, here we are. And how do you get those first few clients when you're, when you're freelancing and you get those four, are you like on elance.com or Upwork yeah, or like, um, trying to think like, or was it all word of mouth? Yeah. I was like, I was prospecting, man. Like I was like, you know, asking anybody and everybody, you know, I went to a few events, like 
the amount of networking that I did in those early years, like I have, I still to this day, I've kept all the boxes of business cards that never turned into anything. Um, but there's a variety of a few relationships that have been really key that I met throughout that experience. And um, yeah, I just networked for it. Like, you know, I, uh, I'm trying to think of where couple connections, one thing led to another, got one client through a client, you know, went to like a conference, landed a client. Those are some of like the first ones that I remember. Um, but yeah. So you're basically applying the Sandler sales training and the networking events and like, yeah, uh, Yeah, running the show. What, what about, um, what about copywriting? That had to be huge to have that skill. Let me ask you something. So let's say somebody listening to this does not have well, everyone has a, a copywriting skills. It just depends on like where that skill level is at technically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, let's say somebody does not have that. Do you think that that's worth investing in and building up now? Or at, you know, at, once you're already started, once you already have a successful business, is that something that you say, let me just hire somebody for. Let's use this as the teaser for the show. Like if you invest in nothing else, invest in copywriting in either yourself or someone else. I actually prefer to hire copywriters and teach them everything else. Like I would rather teach a copywriter how to media buy, like how to buy ads on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, or YouTube, because to me, the fundamental skill of crafting a compelling sales message is the most important skill that anyone could have. And while I would say, yes, go work with a copywriter and like go hire a copywriter or what have you, but as the CEO, CMO, whatever level, this, that, or the other, the founder, like it is just as important for you to understand how to craft a sales message so that you can give direction to your team. I was just going to say that, like for you, if you were to, you hire that out now, uh, a few questions on that. So do you feel like you're able to hire it out better? because you're an expert at it already and you know what awesome looks like. What if somebody doesn't have that? Do you think you should invest in it? We we recently were just trying, I was trying to find a personal copywriter to help me with all my stuff. And like the amount of applications that I got was just completely absurd. Um, I mean, if you have spelling errors and grammar issues in your copy, like you're just getting tossed to the side right away. Um, But uh but yeah, I mean, for me, like I can tell good copy when I see it, you know, right away. Um, but I can imagine it's it's hard to identify, um, especially if your trade of, of choice is not copywriting or, you know, uh, writing or something like that. Um, I mean, there's no lie for like, this is the question I would ask. How much sales have your ads or your emails or your sales letters generated? If they have not generated zero, then do not hire that person. Like that's it. Like if you haven't at least generated six figures and you can't prove it, like do not hire that person. And the person would prove it by just sending you a link. Like, Hey, I wrote that for so-and-so and and it's doing blank. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, or if you have the results, you know, in your email CRM or like from the ads or something that would be ideal as well. Okay. So that we can move past this copywriting portion because I want to get to the meat and potatoes. The what would you recommend? Do you have a resource that you would recommend somebody who wanted to learn, like wanted to really invest in their copywriting skills? And then on the other, on the other side of the coin, do you have a specific site that you like to go to, to hire copywriters? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
so a friend of mine actually owns a copywriting agency. So she's going to get a little free shameless plug that I wasn't planning on here. Um, so uh, Ad Copy Accelerator, um, Annika Watkins, um, uh, Moxie Copywriting. I'm sure she'll love the fact that I name drop her here. They teach a, they have a, it's more of like an introductory, like sort of foundations level course on how to craft hooks, headlines, sales messages, et cetera. That is a great place to start. If you have a little bit of experience with copywriting, you want to get better at copywriting. Um, then what I do is, is I actually train that person from the intermediate level to get to a level of mastery or elite level and taking their copy to turn it into sales. And so um, that's what I do with, with ads and how to buy ads is I, I take that foundational level and I apply structure, system, and process to it. Um, and I help them generate sales from their copywriting through a philosophy that I call message-driven targeting, which might be something that you might be interested in. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm interested in that. Um, <laughs> what, what about the hiring? Where would you go to hire someone? Do you have like yeah, a one-stop? Um, I have confession, like confession. I am terrible at sourcing talent. Like I, um, this is one of my biggest downfalls as a, as an agency owner, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, like I tend to see the good in people and like, I give people opportunities. So like, I am not the source of truth when it comes to this, like, like this is, and I know that they say, right. Like every business owner will tell you like the people and the hiring is the most important. Well, like I've effed that up so many times, which is why I'm such a believer in training now. Well, and I would say like, I was always a big believer in training myself. And then it wasn't until about like four years ago that I invested significantly both time, effort, money, energy, resources into training my team, creating a process to train the team. And then I was like, oh, like there's probably other people who probably need help with this. And that's when we launched Elite Media Buyers Academy. But not to get around your question, I honestly don't know, like, if I was looking for a good copywriter, there's not, you know, there's not, there's several like marketplaces and things like that out there. You could look at Upwork, you could look at, you know, there's a couple of like good Facebook groups for stuff like this, but, but I would honestly go hire, you know, like an ad copy agency. Like I would recommend that you do that because they do it every day. And there's some affordable ones out there. You've got ad zombies, you've got Moxie copywriting, you've got dropkick ads. I would go hire that. Like they specialize in spitting out sales letters and, and email copy and ad copy for an entrepreneur or a business owner. Like I would do that first before I went and tried to hire like a full-timer, a contractor, a freelancer or something. Cause you have no idea what the heck you're going to get from that. Yeah. Ad zombies is amazing. I, I know yeah. Ken Moskowitz, I believe he's the founder. Yep. <clears throat> he's the founder of it. Um, trying to get him on the show now. Uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's absolutely amazing. I love, he's just gifted, gifted with sales copy. Yeah, they're really so, good. 100%. Another copywriter I'm following, I don't know if you know Sam Parr from The Hustle and Trends and all that. Oh yeah, The Hustle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sam Parr started that. I, I love his copywriting skills. He put out, he put out this tip for some people and it's like grab 50 pieces of amazing sales copy and write each one five times or something like that. Just write it. And that it kind of like works a muscle. I mean, it's not going to take you from zero to expert, but it like works that muscle. And I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. I haven't done it, but I'm curious about it. So we've been talking about elite 
media buyer for a while. So yeah. in your own words, can we talk about, and there's the accelerator, um, your agency's an elite, you're an elite media buyer. What does that mean? In your own words, what does that mean? Yeah, I think what it takes to be an elite media buyer is like, number one, you you have this fearless mindset around um, advertising and what it can do for your business or for your client's business. Um, and what I mean by that is it really kind of starts at the foundational level of like, what is your relationship like with money, right? Like, what is your relationship like with like, are you afraid of spending? Are you afraid of spending in your own life, let alone like spending tens of thousands of dollars a day for a client to help them scale their revenue and their sales? Um, and so a lot of it that we, that we teach and what I think that it takes to be an elite media buyer is the mindset. The second part to that is the process, the less sexy side, the system process frameworks and, and SOPs to create re replicatable results time and time and time again. Um, you know, whether you're an elite athlete or whether you're an elite media buyer that can generate sales from your work, it comes down to system and process. And that's what I teach media buyers is system and process so that they can spend the amount of daily spend that like we spend in the agency or I've spent personally or other elite media buyers are doing. Um, and so that would be kind of the foundation that we could drill into. Sure. So, so that myself and listeners can have an idea as to like, like what would be two, one or two, um, what would be one or two, who are one or two people that had the biggest influence yeah. on you into becoming an elite media buyer yourself? Um, I mean, OG Dan Kennedy, like Dan Kennedy through and through, like I've read a bunch of his books, um, the no BS rules of direct response marketing, um, the sales letter. Um, that's, that was my original introduction into direct response outside of like the whole content background and all that stuff. Um, and then probably honestly, um, Dan Kennedy disciple, Russell Brunson, like kind of a cliche, um, you know, answer there on that, but like, dude just crushes it in everything that he does. Right. Um, so okay. definitely Russell Brunson, that was like, that was like, how do I take my copy and then like create funnels and structures system and process around facilitating marketing offers? Um, you know, so that goes back like six, seven years and, and things like that. And, um, you know, so definitely, you know, for sure, Russell Brunson, I mean, but then there's, there's so many others, you know, like a, a peer of mine, you know, Max Finn, um, you know, like I look at what peers are doing as well. Um, you know, uh, other copywriters like, um, shoot, what is the, what is one, uh, why can't I think of it? Not breakthrough advertising. Uh, an amazing book, by the way. Yeah. It, it's, it's one that's on the tip of my, uh, tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. We can I mean, circle I, back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I'm read right now I'm reading great leads. I don't know if anyone's ever read great leads, but like a very under, uh, unknown book, like the hard copy version on Amazon is like 175 bucks, but you can get the paperback for like 20 bucks or whatever, but there's not a lot of copies of it out there, but um, just about to get into that as well. Well, I'm pretty sure breakthrough advertising. If you look on Amazon's like a hundred and something bucks, 200 and something bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So TikTok and Facebook ads, um, the ad creative specifically, like what we're going to, the meat and potatoes of what we're going to get into today. It seems like we did yeah. a good bit on copywriting too. 
but um how how to how do you test your TikTok and Facebook ad creatives as an elite media buyer? Like what, what yeah, goes into I mean, that? It's, like, um, it's the opposite of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, you know, so it's like, you know, I think a lot of the way that a lot of people buy ads and paid social is they kind of just throw a bunch of stuff together and then they like, they can't figure out what's working, um, you know, what's not working. And then, you know, by causality of that, they don't know how to scale it. Um, or they scale the wrong thing and then it crashes and burns, right? And so um, the way that I test my ad creative and the way that I teach other media buyers as well as our team is in a phased and structured approach of four phases. So phase one is message testing. Phase two is creative testing, images and, and video. Phase three is audiences and phase four is scaling. So the idea is when you're ready to truly put thousands of dollars a day behind your ad campaign, you've proven out all of the variables. So one of my cores to my methodology is what I call ad variable isolation. So I teach a very disciplined approach into how to actually set up your campaigns so that you can gain 100% clarity on what exactly is working within your ad to the level of detail of like the first line of ad copy the headline, the headline on the actual ad creative, the audience that you've selected, um, the ad copy, the offer, the call to actions. Like we literally isolate every variable at every level so that you gain this massive level of clarity on what exactly is working. So can I can give, see you're inquisitive at the moment. So I figured so I yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so like that, I want to make sure no one gets lost in this because I'm following you. And yeah. that was a, that was a lot right there. And I know we're going to yeah. build on that with these other steps that are here. So like, what can you give my mind just works better when there's yeah. like a, like an example without yeah. it, whatever you're allowed to share. Like if we yeah, can 100%. insert like a real life scenario or product into how you have accomplished that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a great example. So like, um, you want like with a case study even probably. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you can share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's just do this. Uh, so generally, like what it means to use ad variable isolation is at the most foundational level is let's say that you have 10 ads. Let's actually let's take one step back. When you have an ad, TikTok or Facebook, think of all of the elements, the inputs that go into that ad. You've got the brand name. You've got the initial line of ad copy, the hook. You've got all of the ad text you've got the offer, you've got the image or the video, you've got the text overlay on the image or the video, you've got the ad headline, and then you've got the call to action button. So we've got eight or nine potentially different variables within the actual setup that could work or could not work. So unless I isolate them or essentially control that across other things that I'm testing, there's no way, there's literally no way for me to know specifically, was it this line of ad copy? Was it this headline? Was it this text overlay? Was it this call to action button that was actually working? And so what we do is, and what I teach is, let's say that you were to have uh, 10 ads. So within those 10 ads, the only thing that we are changing, for example, is the actual ad headline. 
So the call to action button is going to stay the same across all 10 ads. The, the text, the actual video is going to stay the same across all 10 ads. The ad text is going to stay the same across all 10 ads. The ad headline, or I'm sorry, the hook of the ad text is going to stay the same across all 10 ads. And the only thing that's going to be different is the ad headline. And so when I run that test, let's say I spend 50 bucks, I'm now going to find out what exactly the winning headline is within that actual testing environment within that setup. That's the philosophy of what I call ad variable isolation. I've controlled all of the other variables within my environment, and I've now gained the clarity that, oh, obviously this headline is resonating with my audience. Now I'm going to go one step nerdy layer deeper here with you down to the level of like, well, was it a promise headline? Was it a proclamation headline? Was it an X result and Y time headline? Was it a benefit solution headline? So then you can drill down one layer deeper of like, well, actually my audience responds better to benefit solution driven headlines. Then I can go write a hundred more of those and do less of all of the other things that don't work. So the only way that you would ever arrive at that conclusion that benefit solution headline works is that if you implement ad variable isolation methodology into your testing environment so that you gain the clarity that, oh, clearly benefit solution headlines are what works here. Because so many people, the way that they run ads are like, well, I know that it's working. I just don't know exactly what's working. You're blowing me away. So a few things here, like one, yeah, I, I totally see the Russell Brunson influence now. Like what you, just, <laughs> what you just did, like you're telling me things that I, you're talking about things that I know. Like I, I know those the different anatomy of an ad, yeah. but I've never heard it broken down in that way. And then you and went then a layer, layer deeper. deeper. You went yeah. a layer deeper. Like you peeled the onion some more, and now you're talking about you know, benefit driven, like, so it's not enough just to change the copy on that one line, like test it that way. There's multiple layers to this. So it's that, 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 you know, I've never been in a position on the podcast where I'm I'm sitting here talking about a topic and you just showed me, what is this? Four phases. You mentioned four or five phases. Each one of those phases could be a multi-part episode. Yeah. So it's like, I have so many questions. I think I'm that, hearing about, I think I'm thinking of a series here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, hey, I, it's definitely a note I already made. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, how do we get this guy to come down to the Miami meetup group? Like, where does he fit on these advanced presentations we do? Like, this is, this is deep. Like, I, yeah. I want to see a screen share. A lot of the questions I feel you'd be easier to answer with a screen share, but I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to take away from the listeners of this, like audio based only podcast. So, um, that's freaking amazing. So add variable isolation that's falling into message testing in that, yes. in that phase. Yes. All right. Well, we carry ad variable isolation through all of the four phases. So you just mentioned like layer, layer, layer. So all those layers are actually magnified at all of the other phases as well. Like that's how much clarity we have with the way that we media buy. Like it's actually pretty absurd. Um, And that's the level, like, that's what I think that it takes to be elite is that you have so it's, here's a good example one of my Uh, favorite stories that like a friend of mine told me. You're making, you're making me feel like a newbie, like, but I, but I love it. Like (laughs) I I, I'm really loving this. It just, anytime I I appreciate that. Humbly. Um, I appreciate uh, Humbly. I appreciate you being on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when you hire the plumber and the plumber comes to the house and 
you know, they're there for five minutes and they knock on two pipes and then they hand you a bill for 250 bucks. And the plumber and and then the, the customer says like, well, why is that 250? You banged on the pipe for 30 seconds. And he's like, yeah, but I've spent the last 25 years learning about the hundreds of other things to not do, right? And like, that's what I think that it takes to get to a level of mastery. So like the 10,000 hours, like mastery by Robert Greene, like that's what I'm talking about here. Like the, when you can execute like most Facebook makes it TikTok too, makes it really easy to just like give them their credit card. Like we put in money, maybe they give us money back. Right. But like down to the level of like, how much control do you have behind the intentionality of what you're doing? And, um, so now I feel like I'm rambling. Cause I feel like I'm just like, I've got myself off track, but no, no, no. I don't want you to shut up. Like, I want you just to keep going. Like I just keep <laughs> looking at the clock. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I, I can he get all this in? Yeah, what? right. No, 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 no. It's genius. I, I I love it. So message testing, creative testing, audiences testing, scaling testing. There's an ad variable isolation, I don't know, filter, if yes. you will, or or lens that you apply across all four of those. Yes. And if done correctly, you haven't said this, but it seems to me that it's almost like, especially the order that you have this in message, creative, audience, and scaling. It almost seems like you're you're minimizing losses in money because scaling's yeah. last, yes. while also eliminating all of the the guesswork. Yes, that's why you said in the beginning it's not this like shotgun approach or throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. So yeah. you're you're eliminating all of the guesses at a lower budget. I'm assuming. Yep. yep. And then once you've eliminated all of them, then it's you know you know, break out the wallet. Like you'll want to do that at this point because it's, it's straight yeah. up. Right. Yep. Exactly. That, that's genius. Um, what your agency, I haven't asked this in the beginning and we're talking a lot about how you train people. Like I, I'm looking for the link after this myself. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a seller. I'm a brand owner. Plus I have an agency. So it's like, this is, a, it seems like a huge win-win for me. What I think listeners will kill me if I don't ask this, but like is your agency only, which is more than enough. So only is a bad word, but like, is it yeah. only doing the training and the coursework for other agencies or is there more of a, is there, is there a consulting aspect also? Yeah. Um, so we do basically you work run, on other people's accounts or just train. Yeah. So the agency arm runs paid traffic for seven and eight figure brands. Um, so typically, you know, we're running six figure spends, um, you know, agency minimum, like 30 K a month in spend. Um, but you know, we're very selective with who we work with nowadays, um, and things like that, because like, I had to learn the lesson that like, I couldn't convince people anymore that paid advertising was a good thing for their business, <laughs> you know? And, um, and then kind of generally under the, the house, if you will, is elite media buyers Academy as a trifecta, you know? So we have we have the media buying managed service. We have the done with you training, and then we have the ad creative arm. So like we develop ad creative for agencies and for brands and things like that as well, specifically for TikTok. We've developed our whole own creator network under this whole TikTok, you know, uh, arm as well. And we're doing really well there. Um, but yes, we train agencies and in-house brands and everything on these systems and processes under the elite media buyers Academy vertical, um, you know, that you were referring to. And you said that somebody should be already be spending 
um, 30,000 uh, a month in ads on TikTok or Facebook or Google, or whatever respective um, ad yeah. platform you're working with or be ready to? Um, on the managed service side, we typically only take what we call turnovers or um, takeovers, not turnovers, <laughs> takeovers. So like we position ourselves as an ad optim as ad optimization experts. So like you've been running ads and you're like, why can't I scale? Or like my customer acquisition cost is too high. And then we're like, Hey, watch this, like apply system, reduce CAC, double spend. So that's like the formula. The formula is, you know, apply system, reduce CPA, double spend. Um, and that's how we're able to scale pretty aggressively. Um, our current like top spenders about 19 K a day, um, on just on the Facebook side. So pretty solid amount of spend. Um, we've had others that are higher, but that's just, you know, where we're at right now. Um, and, uh, so yeah, on the agency side, like we want history and proof of, of spend, you know, because like you mentioned earlier, you know, you've worked through these kinks of like how to get funding, how I'm, how I'm going to finance my ads, like whether I believe in this or not, you know, and all that stuff, like we don't want to hum, like, unfortunately, like there's a lot of obstacles that a lot of people have to go through to, to create that belief. And, um, I'm just not willing to be on that journey anymore. I call that the Dr. Phil phase, like some agencies, that, <laughs> they're in need of like an agency that also provides therapy on the side when they're, yeah, yeah. Or something. don't want yeah. to do that anymore. What about, have you ever worked with a, an Amazon seller brand owner? Cause a lot of listeners here are Amazon sellers and they're doing, I'm going to just throw a hundred thousand dollars a month out there between yeah. uh, Amazon on platform, sponsored product, sponsored brand display ads. They're also doing the, the Amazon media buying on the DSP side. And they're spending, I don't know, 100000 a month. Um, so they have something that's validated, but they don't have data on TikTok yet, on Facebook. And they're just too intimidated to do it. Yeah. Um, they hear this. They love what you have to say. Like, um, I think everyone's going to love this whole ad variable isolation example you just gave. And they want to work with you. Do you suggest they work and do other things first before coming to you? Yeah, like that's definitely like those scenarios where we do consider that because the biggest thing is is having a proven offer first. Number one, proven offer and history of spend, you know, and in the right opportunities, we do work with clients like that. And if I was a brand in that in that position where, you know, I'm doing either 100K a month in sales or I'm doing 100K a month in spend and I want to grow my direct-to-consumer effort through like my own channel, I would, where I would start is I would start on Google first. I would go spin that up, get that to like a thousand dollars a day and spend, get that dialed in. And then I would start messing with Facebook and TikTok um, because Facebook and TikTok are going to require a lot of ad creative, which means you need to invest a few grand a month in assets, you know, between video images, you know, product photography, things like that to constantly be able to you know, fuel those platforms through the ad creative. It's not like this set it and forget it thing that Google and Amazon ads kind of are to a degree where it's a little bit more minimal management. But like when you're truly advertising in paid social, Google, um, I'm sorry, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Facebook, like you need a lot of ad creative for that, um, which means so like you need, you need to be ready to spend and invest. And that's not stock photography, stock video. No. And, and UG, in UGC? UGC. Yeah. Tons of UGC for Facebook and, and TikTok for sure. That's what is working best on those platforms right now. Like 
overly branded content, I do not recommend for paid social. If anything, like we're not really running any overly branded content on paid social at all right now. And you're saying Google because it's it's much less asset asset intensive, asset creative. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. And then, you know, it's a good way you can take a lot of the learnings from Amazon, you know, launch Google shopping, which is similar, you know, to Amazon, um, launch your non-branded search, um, launch your branded search and start picking away at that. I mean, you could scale up, you know, Google shopping and then even layer in Bing as well, you know, uh, along that journey, but your real scale is going to come from, you know, YouTube, Facebook and and TikTok, like, cause that's more top of funnel type traffic. Is your agency category agnostic or do you really just say, look, I'd rather only work in these two or three category verticals? Yeah. I mean, primarily e-com and info products is where we specialize. And then subcategories under that, um, will be, um, so we work with a lot of health and wellness brands. So like supplements, subscriptions, healthy snack foods, um, you know, things like that. And then uh, a, lo- a lot of apparel and fashion, high AOV, you know, type of stuff. Um, some like we prefer to work on repeat purchase type products because cost of acquisition is high. When you get into your own channel, it's not like Amazon where like you, they provide so much traffic to you that you can kind of work off that. But you're buying everything when you go to your own channel. And so if you've got this one-time purchase product, like, especially if it's less than a hundred bucks, I mean this in the nicest way possible, good luck. And I do not recommend it. So somebody that was, and this is a battle I have in the group a lot. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in my group that they just think Amazon right now and Amazon's their first foray into e-commerce. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell people like, look, I mean, how I just want you to start. So if that's the way you're going to start, fantastic. But they're they're product agnostic. It's not like they have this passion in life or whatever. They're just looking at the data to make a decision. The only data they're looking at is, is on the Amazon side. So do you think it's a good idea to maybe insert at that level and say, look, at some point this, if this thing's going to succeed and we're going off of Amazon, um, one of the most important things here is that this is going to have, this invites repeat customers yes. um, or this is something that sells for over a hundred dollars. Yes. Those would be my two criteria, like repeat purchase and a hundred dollar plus AOV, like anything, anything <laughs> less than a hundred bucks. Like, like I do. Is that not an do, and or an or? Uh, and, and, or, and, or, okay. yeah. So both, <laughs> um, you know, so, and the reason for that is, is just that like marketing a product less than a hundred bucks is just going to be too expensive for you. Like when you really look at it at the end of the day, you've got cost of advertising, maybe you've got vendors and, and, you know, assets and all these things that you're developing, like it's impossible. It's very unlikely to make that profitable. Just like go to battle with a product over a hundred bucks or go to battle with, some sort of re- recurring purchase or subscription or something like that, that makes the profitability of the actual business model highly more likely. Something similar to like athletic greens. Like I'm a subscriber to that. Yeah. And exactly. I think it's, I think I'm at like 35, 40 bucks in order, but yeah. I probably clicked on one ad once and yep. now, right. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So, all right. I, I think we covered a lot here. 
I'm, yeah. I'm like terrified to jump into any of the three of those other four, or this will turn into a four hour thing. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to have an episode on each one of these topics yeah, uh, on each it. one of these four and maybe spend a couple minutes diving into each one of them. We'll try to coordinate something um, after this uh, when we go off air, but I'm sincere. Like I would like to dive into each one of these. Um, we'll love that. What? We, we, we've touched on the agency. We've touched on the, the training that you have. What, what's the best way that somebody can get, get a hold of you? I'd like that, but what's the best way that somebody can get more information on this kind of like on their own reading about it? Um, yeah. Either one of these, like working, if, if what you described is a, if they're a perfect fit working with you um, and or this, these trainings, like what's the best way to find out more? Yeah. I'm about to commit the cardinal sin with three offers here for a second, right? Or three calls to action. So I'll leave the main call to action is like, if you want to get in touch with me directly, just find Will Perry on LinkedIn, like Will Perry on LinkedIn, um, you know, send me a, a DM or a direct message, strategic pause five to 10 seconds. So that's one call to action. So LinkedIn, Will Perry. Um, if you are running ads for an e-com brand, an Amazon brand, you're an agency owner, um, you need to improve your ads um, uh, within your e-com brand. Go to www.creativetestingmastery.com. That is my done with you mentorship program where like, if you truly did believe that some of what I touched on today was very valuable and it goes to levels deeper that that you have not heard of before. Those are the systems, processes, and frameworks that I teach marketers and media buyers on how to level up their skills. And lastly would be, you know, if you need help with someone running your ads for you um, and you just want it done at a much higher level than what you're experiencing right now, you know, and you're not afraid to spend, uh, you're willing to scale up, you know, go to reasonagency.co, not.com, but .co. Um, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. I love it. You're the man. You know what? I didn't, this last question that I ask at the end of all the episodes, just to be respectful of your time, I normally yeah. give a warning to everybody. So I'm going to nothing to be, you're looking like, Oh my God, like what is this? <laughs> it's pretty simple, but we'll, we'll, we'll pause even if, if you need some time to think about it. And I like to ask everyone who's on the show, what is their favorite book they've ever read and why? So yeah. what happens is sometimes someone needs a chance to think, um, it, it, before the show, that's why I tell them. Otherwise they just spit out like the, the, the latest thing that they're reading, like recency bias. So, um, yeah. do you need a second to think, or do you quickly I already know, know like, what, what it is, is? Like, what is and it? This is, this is going to be, this is probably going to sound like a curveball. Um, but daring greatly by Brene Brown, um, best book that I've ever read. Um, and the reason for that is, is it, it was given to me at a time in my life when I was like 24, 25, you know, that young macho kind of man. And I was like, I don't need vulnerability. I don't need like uh, all these things. And like, it completely changed the way that I communicate as a person, as a leader. Um, and uh, that has had a massive impact on my life. Um, and then the quote by, you know, Theodore Roosevelt about being the man in the arena um, and all of that. Um, so daring greatly, but I, I do want to give a second one, which is Zen in the Art of Happiness, um, has also had a profound impact on my life. Um, the fundamental, uh, 
idea with Zen and the art of happiness is that everything that happens is the best thing that can happen. So there is no bad, there is no good. There's, there is only our reaction to a situation in which that we can control. So I like going into some philosophical stuff and like I'll kind of like strategically cut myself off. Um, but those would be two that I love pretty significantly. I love it. I've not read either one of them, so I'm definitely going to be ordering them uh, now. I Which, you know, I, two books for me to add yeah. right now, only one's going to be able to be like a hardcover paperback. One's going to have to be Audible. Which yeah. one would you, if, you, if you were in that situation, like which one would you go Audible with? Yep. I would go Audible with Daring Greatly because it's going to take you longer to get through it. You could break it up like between drives, walks, et cetera. Um, Zen in the Art of Happiness, you could probably read in a day or in a weekend. It's actually only like 90 pages. Um, so it's a pretty easy read. Um, and you could flip through that pretty quick. I love it, Will. I, I cannot emphasize enough how thankful, I, how grateful I am of your time uh, this afternoon. I know you're, you're traveling and having a great time in the mountains. Uh, I was not too far from you uh, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. uh, I look forward to having you back on the show. I look forward to um, hopefully getting you to come down to the Wizards of Ecom Academy and, and do some presentations and share some more knowledge. Um, thank you so, so much for your time and have an awesome day. Pleasure, man. It was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.